We've got to stay close to our kids for as long as possible. The world wants to eat them alive. The world wants to destroy them. Everything is competing for the affection of your child's heart. You need to be the most present, loudest figure, voice in the life of your child. You've got to draw near to them. The most powerful thing you can do for your child, the most powerful thing you can do for any child, it's just three words. I love you. So a few months back, I was in Hartford, Connecticut, and I was speaking to about 700 men at this gathering. And as I finished the keynote, I just felt the Spirit kind of prompting me saying, ask the men in the room who has never heard I love you or I'm proud of you uh, from their fathers. So I went back on stage and I said, hey, if you would be courageous enough, I just want to know how, how many in here have never heard their father say I love you or say, son, I'm proud of you. Now, out of 700 men, I thought maybe 100, 150 would stand up. I was absolutely shocked when 650 men stood up. 95% of the people in the room stood up. They had never heard their father or some figure they love say, say, I love you and I'm proud of you. And, and one of the reasons I asked that question is because I never really heard that in my life. Truth be told, it, it's not until recently that, that I really began hearing my father tell me that, that he loves me. And I don't know if I've ever um, heard him say that I'm proud of you. And when, I, and when I dove into scriptures on this topic and began looking at this topic, I've come to realize how important the father's blessing is. How important it is that as men, we receive that affirmation from our fathers and that as, as men, we, we pass that affirmation down uh, to our children. And here's the reality. The majority of you probably watching this, listening to this, um, you've, never, you've never heard your dad say, son, I love you, or son, I'm proud of you. Statistics tell us that, that 41% of us didn't even grow up with a father present in the home. That doesn't include those who had a dad in the home like me, but maybe that dad was emotionally absent or physically absent. Uh, my father certainly was spiritually absent. Um, my, my mom was the spiritual giant in my home, and I'm, and I'm thanking God for that. I wouldn't be the man I am today if it wasn't for her. Uh, it doesn't mean that was God's good design. Um, God designed the home for, for the father, the man, to lead out and be the spiritual leader, uh, but in my home it wasn't like that. So, so I thank God for my mom and her stepping in into that role. But here's the reality. Uh, you're probably like me. You, you haven't heard your father say, son, I love you, or, or son, I'm proud of you. So I just want to talk about that today. I want to talk about the father's blessing, what it is. I want you to hear what it is. Uh, just because you did not receive one doesn't mean you can't pass one down. Uh, the generational hurt, the generational curses, the generational pain, it can stop with you as you begin to bless down those those generations down line from you. So what do I mean by by the father's blessing? Well, you you see it in scripture. You see patriarchs, men like Abraham, men like Jacob, men like David uh blessing their sons, affirming their sons, equipping their sons, encouraging their sons with a promised future. Those are all components of, of what a father's blessing is. So there's really three main parts. If you're going to receive a blessing, if you're going to give a blessing, there's really three main parts of a father's blessing. And the first 
is words of affirmation and words of encouragement. The National Center for Fatherhood recently stated that the most powerful thing you can do for your child, the most powerful thing you can do for any child, it's just three words. I love you. It's three words. Telling your children that you love them. So the first part of that blessing are are words of affirmation, uh, words of encouragement. And here's the deal. Those words of affirmation, those words of encouragement, they can't be based upon any one event or any one success that your child has, right? Sometimes as men, we do something right or we do something well, and then we get encouraged. Well, that's not how the Father's blessing works. Your children need to know you love them no matter what they do. Sometimes they need to know you love them in spite of what they've done. My son plays flag football. He loves, he's coming into sports, man. He loves sports and he wanted a certain pair of shoes because he said, dad, these shoes are going to make me faster. If I, if I own these shoes, these shoes are going to make me faster. And I looked at him and I said, son, um, I don't know if these shoes are going to make you faster. As a matter of fact, he has my athletic ability, so he's probably not going to be very fast. I said, but here's the deal. You know, these shoes may not make you any faster, but but son, I love you just as fast as you are right now. You don't have to do anything to earn my love. You don't have to do anything to, to earn my approval. My love, my approval for you, it's not based on any one event. It's not based on any one success. It's not because you become um, successful. It's not because you get into an Ivy League school. It's not because you make the honor roll. It's not because you're the captain of the football team. Like if none of that stuff ever happens, none of that stuff matters. I love you just because you're my son. Just because you're my son. That affirmation, that encouragement, that blessing, it's a just because blessing. I want you to think about Jesus being baptized, right? In the scriptures, we have Jesus being baptized. As he comes out of the water, the Bible says that the heavens open up, right? You hear this voice, and the voice says, this is my son whom I love with him I'm pleased. That's a theological progression. This is my son whom I love with him I'm pleased. It's in that order. God acknowledged Jesus as his son whom he loved long before Jesus ever did anything. Up until that point, Jesus hadn't done anything spectacular. Jesus was just a poor carpenter. He hadn't done anything noteworthy, but that didn't matter. God still loved him. This is my son whom I've loved and with him I'm pleased. The pleasure came from the fact that he was his son. Some of you men right now, you need to pull your sons aside. I don't care if they're five years old or if they're 45 years old. You need to pull them aside and say, you know what? I love you just because you're you. I don't know if I've ever told you that, and maybe maybe I've acted in such a way to make you think that, that my love for you is dependent upon something you do or, or some success you achieve, but it's not true. I love you just because you're you. That's the first part of the blessing. It's this encouragement. It's this affirmation that you're my son and I love you. When Eugene Peterson died, it was a sad day. Eugene Peterson is probably one of the greatest theologians of our time. A lot of people don't know Eugene. He became famous for writing the Message Bible. He wrote the Message Bible. A lot of people didn't like it because they thought he watered down the Bible. I thought it was brilliant. Eugene was kind of boring. He planted a church of 250 people, and he pastored that church for almost 30 years. He was never a celebrity pastor. He was never on the preaching circuit, but he was one of the greatest 
pastors, men, theologians of our time. At his funeral, Eugene's son, Leif, spoke. And Leif said, <laughs> Leif said, for 30 years, my dad had you all fooled. For 30 years, he only preached one sermon. Out of all the books he wrote over 30 years, he really only wrote one book. Leif said, my dad had a secret that he let me in on at an early age. He said, when I was little, every night my dad would sneak into my bedroom and he would come and he would speak over me. Leif, you're my son and I love you. And God loves you. And God's pursuing you and God is relentless. And that was the message that Eugene spoke over and over and over to his son. It's the same message we need to be speaking to our children. Man, I love you. And God loves you. He's pursuing you and he's relentless. That's the first piece of that blessing, man. It's an affirmation. It's an encouragement. Second, if the first piece is an affirmation, the second piece is an action. Our verbal affirmation, our verbal encouragement, our verbal love has to be proven by our actions. We can't just tell our children that we love them and then not act like we love them. We can't, we can't look at our children and say, man, son, you're a phenomenal basketball player and I love that you love basketball and then not buy them a basketball. I think one guy said it best. You can't, you can't have a son who's a phenomenal pianist and he's great at piano and you're encouraging him in the piano and then, and then not be willing to, to get him a piano. We have to affirm our love. We have to affirm our encouragement through our actions, right? And let me tell you just some simple ways to do that, right? And it's not always buying a piano. One of the ways that we affirm our love is simply by being close to our children. Men, we have got to stay close to our children. Steve Farrar tells that story about a man coming to his office and inviting him to go bowling. And Steve's like, well, I don't want to go bowling. And the guy's like, I bet you $100 that I can bowl 300. I can bowl a 300, a perfect score. And Steve Ferrar said, you can't bowl a 300, a perfect score. The guy says, I do it all the time. He says, I average a 300. Steve Ferrar says, that's impossible. The guy said, come on, $100, I can bowl 300. So Steve took him up on it. They go to the bowling alley. Steve gets his ball, and he, and he throws it down the lane, and he knocks down a few pins, and then it's this guy's turn. And the guy picks up the ball and he walks all the way down to the end of the alley. He's three feet in front of the pins, and he takes the ball, and he smashes the pins down, and then he walks back to the top of the alley. And Steve says, you can't do that. You got you to gotta bowl from back here. You can't bowl up there. Of course you bowl at 300. You're bowling from up there. You have to bowl from back here. And the guy looks at Steve Farrar, and he says, why would I do that? He said, error increases with distance. And then the guy walked out of the bowling alley. Dad, I'm going to say that again. Error increases with distance. The further you get away from your children emotionally, the further you get away from your children physically, the further you get away from your children spiritually, error increases with distance. One of the way you affirm your love, one of the way you affirm your encouragement is by drawing near and drawing close to your children. We've got to stay close to our kids for as long as possible. The world wants to eat them alive. The world wants to destroy them. Everything is competing for the affection of your child's heart. You need to be the most present, loudest figure, voice in the life of your child. 
you've got to draw near to them. It's one of the reasons why my wife and I choose to homeschool our kids. And listen, don't send any emails. Don't call in. I'm not bashing public schools. But you can't send your children to Egypt and then be mad when they start acting like Egyptians. You hear what I'm saying? We keep our children close for as long as possible. It's one of the reasons why they, they don't have cell phones. My children do not have cell phones. I watch, I watch dads hand their children um, new smartphones, right? And it's like handing a child a loaded gun without ever teaching him how to use it. The internet is dangerous. The internet will draw your child off far, far and away. No, no, no. I stay close. I stay close, man. Proximity is key, whether it's through schooling, whether it's through what I allow or do not allow my children to do. But they are, they are underneath. They are underneath my training. They're underneath my shade. And this is science. This is real science. Some of the strongest wood, like, like when you're looking for wood to make a table or to make furniture, some of the strongest wood known to man, it has to grow under a canopy. Right, So you've got this giant oak tree that casts shade, and, and you've got the saplings underneath that shade. As they grow, the wood becomes more and more dense because they live under the shade of the father tree. It's amazing how that happens. It's, it's God-designed. It's science, right? And that wood is, is dense, and it's hard, and it, and it lasts forever. Take a tree and put him out in the middle of a field with no other trees, no shade. Take a sapling and put him out in the middle of the field, and what happens is he will gorge on the sunlight, and as the tree grows, the wood actually becomes airy. It becomes less dense, and it becomes susceptible to all kinds of disease, and the wood is no good. We've got a lot of young people today, a lot of children, a lot of, a lot of young boys, they're growing up in that field all alone without the shade of the father tree. And they're susceptible to all kinds of things. No, man, I want dense, hard wood that lasts forever so they can stay under my shade as long as they want. Man, we got to draw near. We got to be proximate to our kids. Secondly, in that affirming our love, we've got to pay attention to our children. Dad, listen to me. We've got to pay attention to our children. I would go out into my garage all the time, uh, and my dad would be out working in the garage. He would be doing two things. He would be drinking beer, and he would be working in the garage. And I would uh, try to have a conversation with him, or I'd, I'd try to share about my day. And the reality is he was more concerned with drinking beer and working on whatever project was in the garage. And, and, and here's what I come to realize as a child and then as a young man, that my dad's alone time in the garage, fixing cars, drinking beer, was more important than being with me. And brothers, that affected me in all kinds of ways, ways that I'm still getting over. Now, you may not be drinking beer in the garage, working on a car, but let me tell you something I bet you are doing. You're staring at your phone all the time when your children are trying to tell you something. When your children are trying to show you something. Dad, look at this picture I drew. Or Dad, look at this. Or Dad, let me tell you about this. And you're too busy death scrolling through Instagram, checking ESPN. And what you're communicating to your children is that whatever's on this screen is far more important than what you have to say. Man, I was sitting on my couch the other night and I was death scrolling on ESPN, man. Just 
just looking at scores. And my son was trying to tell me something. And about halfway through the conversation, I just, I, I look up and he's totally, totally devastated. He put his head down and he walked off because he knew I wasn't listening to him. In that moment, he felt like that what, what, whatever was on that screen was far more important to him. I had to put the phone down, go to my son and repent and ask for forgiveness. And I told him, nothing on this phone is more important than you. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry for making you feel like that. Guys, we have to get off technology and pay attention to our children. We need to get off technology and pay attention to our wives. We need to put away the technology and pay attention to our neighbors. So be in proximity to your children and then be present with your children. And listen, I'm preaching to the choir. Like, I need this as much as you need this. But that's how we prove and we show the encouragement and the affirmation. So the first thing we want to do is give encouragement, give affirmation. We, we love our children. Son, I love you, not because of what you've done, but because of who you are. And then we want to show that love. We want to demonstrate that love not just verbally, but with our actions. And lastly, the third part of the Father's blessing is speaking a future hope, right? We can't, we can't discourage our kids. We've got we've to speak to them about a future hope. We've got to show them that, that, that we believe something beyond the horizon, right? That there's a future hope out there, that, that there's a future promise that that they can do and become something. One of my best friends in all the world, he's a, he's a phenomenal man. I mean, he's, he's articulate, he's smart, he's handsome. He's been doing ministry with me for years now. He's a phenomenal man. Like, he has it. He has all the pieces, but he lacks confidence. He lacks confidence. So finally, I sat down with him one day, and I said, man, you've got everything. You've got everything it takes to be it. You've got what Rochelle called the it factor. Man, why do you lack so much confidence? He said, heart man, growing up. So he's a black dude. He said, growing up, me and the young men in our town, we worked at this sawmill. And the owner of the sawmill was this racist white guy. And he said, every day, man, that, that white guy would come in and he would never say anything racist, but he would come in and he would, he would walk around the sawmill and every now and then, man, he would just relieve himself at the feet of the workers. He would just stop, pull it out, and piss at the feet of the workers, always showing us that he was better than us. He said, I can't tell you how demoralizing that was. I can't tell you the effect that had on me. Like I still see that picture in my mind today. And that, that experience, man, crushed his future hope. That experience, man, causes him to lack confidence today because he still sees himself a young man in that sawmill with some dude pissing on his feet. Now listen, I know it's probably not that extreme in your home, but what's that a metaphor for? What future promise, future hope, have you crushed by your words or by your actions? Instead of building your child up, you've been tearing your child down. No, man, we've got to paint that there's this future hope for them. Like they can be and do whatever it is the Lord has for them. 
Like they are infinitely valuable and they are priceless and they are lovely and they are smart and they are kind and they are good. If anything, because they are created in the image of God, they have a future hope. And if things don't work out this side of heaven, guess what? We've got the greatest promise and the greatest hope the next side of heaven in King Jesus. Future hope a future promise. And, and as we build that promise that the best is yet to come, I'm always telling my son, the best is yet to come. Don't worry about today. The best is yet to come. I'm promoting this future hope. And guess what? That gives him a present active life. That future hope, man, gives him a present promise. And it's amazing. So when I take those words of affirmation, when I take those those actionable items, when I, when I present that future hope, what I'm doing is I'm giving, giving my child that blessing. Some of you men today, you need to, you need to sit your children down, boy or girl, it doesn't matter. You need to sit your children down and you need to speak a blessing over them. You need to tell them, Hey, um, I love you just because you're my kid. Hey, and I'm going to show you my love. I'm going to be around more and I'm going to be more present and more aware. And listen, Listen, no matter what comes our way as a family, man, the best is yet to come. We have a future promise in King Jesus. Like, you need to tell your children that and set them free. And for you men listening, you've never heard that. You've never experienced that. Man, I don't know if I can give a blessing through YouTube. Maybe I can. But I want to tell you, I don't. I don't know what type of circumstance you grew up in. I don't know how bad it was. I don't know if you had some guy walk into the room and, and relieve himself at your feet. But let me tell you something, brother. Man, you are loved. You are loved far more than you can ever know. God loves you to the fact that he sent his son to die for our sin, the penalty of our sin. He pays it. That's how much God loves you. And he's loved you that much since the beginning of time. It wasn't because anything you did. It's not because what you've done. He loves you for who you are. And you are created in his image, created in his likeness, and he loves you. And guess what? He's coming after you, and he's relentless. And God didn't just tell you that he loves you. He showed you that he loved you. In the form of Jesus, God incarnate, Jesus left his throne, the second member of the Trinity, and he came to live with us and be with us, and he came to die the death we should have died, and he beat death, and now he is securing us a place in eternal mansions where we're going to go and be with him forever. I cannot wait. So he demonstrated that love, and with that demonstration comes that future hope, that future promise that sooner or later, brothers, we are going to be with King Jesus. We are going to rule, and we are going to reign with him, and some of that some of that future hope, man, he lets us taste and experience now, today. Praise God. It gives us a promise for today. But even if nothing comes our way today, man, I've got that. I've got that waiting for me. The affirmation, the action, the future hope, and it's yours. As much as it is mine, it's yours. So receive the Father's blessing. Go be the man, the husband, the dad that God's called you to be and pass that blessing on generation to generation to generation. Let's change lives together.